You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to Heart to Heart Chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, friends, this week on Walk It Out, we're going to talk about parenting, but we're going to focus on the hard stuff and how even during those hard times, we can turn to God, we can seek Him, and we can find strength for the journey. As you know, I have 10 kids, and there are some hard things that I never thought we'd have to face as parents, but I can say that God has been faithful, even though I haven't seen all my prayers answered yet. I know they are coming, but let me tell you a little bit about today's guest. Marty Mikowski is a family life pastor at Covenant Fellowship Church in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania, where he has served on the pastoral staff for 30 years. He leads Promise Kingdom, the gospel-centered children's ministry of Covenant Fellowship. He's also the executive editor for children's resources at New Growth Press. He's the author of very wonderful resources, the Gospel Story for Kids series, Theology or Theology, God Made Boys and Girls, and now Parenting First Aid. So welcome, Marty. Thanks so much for having me on your program, Trisha. It's great to be with you. Oh, and I, I love your resources. I've loved your resources for a while. Um, I went through, we, we always called it the theology book, but it's theology. <laughs> we went through that with our homeschool, um, and it was just a great resource. You know, we have adopted um, seven of our kids, and and we adopted some of them older, so they did not have a Christian background. Mm. And that was such a good resource for us, just talking about the basics and going back to the basics of Christianity. And I pass it on to my uh, sister-in-law who has the book now, but I just want to tell you that was a great resource um, in our own lives. Well, thanks so much for your encouragement and uh, just a shout to you. My goodness, seven kids adopting some older ones. That is heroic. And I am sure that you and your family are just that you've got to be a place of uh, love and encouragement for that to work. And it sounds like it is going well in general. In general, we're exhausted. Well, yeah, and, that's a part you know, of it, right? That is part of it. And Nobody when climbs I, Mount Everest and says, oh, yeah, I'm doing it without losing my breath. I mean, everybody loses their breath on that mountain, and parenting is like Everest. That is so true. That is so true. And when I saw um, parenting first aid come in my mailbox, I'm like, oh, yes, please. <laughs> we need this. And I've been enjoying it as I've been going through it. Um, so just in general, tell us why. I know you've written books, resources for kids. Why did you feel like you wanted to write this resource for parents? Well, as a pastor and in counseling families, I have seen just how important testimony is to hear a story mm-hmm. of someone who's gone before you. And and I don't mean just like this wonderful, happy ending, everything worked out fine. I mean, that can actually be discouraging because we're all going through these challenges. But to hear stories of people who are experiencing similar and difficult trials 
and how God met them. Not necessarily making everything perfectly wonderful, but but bringing people through difficult trials. I had some of those in my life, and I had friends around me that I've been a pastor long enough at the same church to watch the Lord work through time, over time, and I wanted to pass that on to folks to help them in their times of discouragement. Yeah. And I think, you know, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Well, my mom became a Christian when I was in second grade. And then, but she was brand new Christian. My stepdad was never a Christian during my growing up years. And I didn't have that foundation. And I thought, okay, when John and I get married, we're going to raise our kids in church and do all the right things. And we're never going to have a problem because we're just all right, know, right. reading all the parenting books, doing all the things, taking them to church and Awanas. And, and then you have a story that you talk about in the beginning where you got a phone call from the police station and we have a similar story. So tell us a little bit about that moment where all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, you know, we're doing all the right things, but then, you know, kids make mistakes. Yeah. I mean, we were the same way. I was determined that I was going to do parenting right. We, you know, we're going to homeschool our kids. We were going to be good gatekeepers over popular culture. We were going to bring them to church. We were going to do devotions. We were going to make sure that we watched over them, discipled them. And then I discover that my son is at the police station. I get a call. Mm. Hey, can you co- Can you come pick him up? And had been arrested with guess what? Another church kid. I was like, (laughs) no, my church kids are supposed to not have this problem. And uh, what I discovered was that he was sneaking out in the middle of the night uh, through a basement window uh, where there him and his brother's bedroom was. And, uh, you know, I'm sleeping. I'm thinking, Lord, mm-hmm. I'm on duty like, what, 14 hours a day? How am I supposed to do this in the middle of the night? And this is what I felt like God teach me through it. Um, I was trusting in some very good parenting things, but I wasn't trusting in the Lord. And mm-hmm. And the message I got was, I don't want you parenting standing up. I want you parenting kneeling down. And that was when I realized, hmm, you know what? The Lord humbles those who lift themselves up. And I was determined my kids were going to be, you know, good, perfect. You do it right. You get good kids. And what I realized was that God in parenting is not just helping you mature and raise up a child. He's also using that experience, the delays, the trials, the challenges to also mature and grow an adult, you. And I'm like, wait a minute, time out, God, not fair. No, 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 no. This is about parenting. And he said, no, this is about your own maturity, Marty. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel the same way um, in our situation. Um, you know, again, homeschooled, you know, we were children's pastors and we I got a call from the police station. My husband was out of town and our son had worked at a um, at Target and someone had bought a gift card and then they forgot it and it had been sitting there under his register. Well, at the end of a shift, he saw it and instead of turning it in, went and bought something with it. 
So, uh, of course, they caught him because, you know, they know what register it was and they have cameras <laughs> and called the police. And so here is, you know, get a call from the police station, which I was so just overwhelmed. And I remember going in there and like stomping in there and he's just like shoulder slumped and head down and the police is like he's really really a good kid we've been talking and he's so sorry and be be kind and be easy on him and the cop is pleading for my son (laughs) and i'm like wait a minute no he's gonna get in trouble and you know we i mean we found ways for him to you know not only go with you know the consequence consequences from what they had we know we had other ones like community service and stuff but at that moment like you never think that this is gonna be uh your child or your situation and now i mean after you know 10 kids i'm like oh well you know i probably did (laughs) make a bigger deal out of that uh, even though it was serious but it's like we've come up with so many other things that we're like okay this is part of parenting this is part of life and i think maybe those first times it does shock them but i think about me when i was in high school and all the mistakes i made and you know kids are kids and they are going to make mistakes and i love i wrote i underlined that um what you just said i don't want to want you to parent standing up I want you to parent kneeling down I think so many times we think we have to be proactive which we do but also we need to be just praying for our kids and on our knees and uh, confessing our own sins and coming before God yeah you know um, Psalm 127 unless the Lord builds the house those who build it labor in vain and what I realized is that God is offering to partner with me in parenting. Mm. Is it, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build the house, whose building is it, me or God? And the answer is yes. Both of you together, you can't do it without his strength. You can't do it without his wisdom. You can't do it without his encouragement to keep you going through those difficult moments when you don't see your child who's rebelling against you respond. You know, it's, it's seed planting like the farmer who plants the seed. He's doing that work. But as Paul said, uh, the, the farmer who's planting, he's nothing. It's God who gives the increase. God makes that seed grow. And so while you do the planting, God does the sprouting, and he's the one that transforms hearts. And so keeping that in mind through those difficult moments when you don't see fruit yet, you know, the farmer goes out, he looks at his field, it's still mud, God, it is still (laughs) mud, and I don't see any green. That's when we need the Lord. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, just with one of our older kids in a a situation right now, and I just keep praying and I just like, okay, God, like, where is the answer? It's already been, what, nine months now? Like, we need an answer here. And I felt God saying, you know, answered prayer is not quick fixes. And I think so many times we do, we want that quick fix. We want, like you were saying, it's still mud. Like, where's the the sprout here? I want to see some changes, but it might not be, uh, you know, this year, next year, but keep praying. And and that makes all the difference. And I think I think one of the things, um, and you also talk about, is that sometimes we feel like we're the only ones facing these mm-hmm. challenges and we get discouraged. So talk a little bit about that, because I think I, sometimes we're ashamed or afraid or, you know, we worry what other parents are going to think if we share. And uh, tell us why we often feel so alone. Well, you know, people are embarrassed about the situations they find themselves in with their kids. And yeah. um, so... For me, as a pastor, um, that pressure can be accentuated. And, but what I realized is that if I go into a room of parents and I say, hey, guys, 
would you pray for me? Let me just tell you what's going on with my daughter or with my son. And I open up a difficult situation. And then I say, you know, I'm just, I just am discouraged or I, I feel so angry. I feel betrayed. Uh, after they're done praying for me, someone else is going to raise their hands. Uh, excuse me, but you know, uh, that's me too. Mm-hmm. And if you were to ask the question, how many of you experienced something like this in your parenting years or are you, are you currently going through, all these hands would raise. So the reality is we're all going through trials and challenges, maybe not all the time in every season, but if you have any number of kids, you will experience one of these difficulties because the world is a mess. I mean, think of the challenges that kids are going through today that we didn't have 20 years ago. So But if you share with other people what's going on, you're going to find that they they understand they've been through it. So I think the enemy would lie to us and say, you know, you're a terrible mom. You're a terrible dad. Nobody else is experiencing these kind of challenges. You go to church on Sunday and people aren't wearing their challenges on their sleeve. They're kind of trying to put the best face forward. They're trying to be encouraged on Sunday. They want to be ministered to. So these families come in, everybody's smiling, but if you had a microphone in their car on the way to church or on the way home from church, you'd see like, oh man, that piece all of a sudden left once you got in that automobile. That thing is cursed, you know. Hey, stop it. Quit fooling around. What's (laughs) going on back there? You know, that's all of us. Yeah, it's so true. And that's why I like that you wrote a study guide that families can do together, you know, parents can do with other parents going through the book. And why don't you first explain a little bit about how you laid out the book and then also how people can do it in a group? Yeah, the the book is laid out as devotions that you can do kind of at your own pace. So you could do two a week, three a week, four a week. And uh, there are questions in the devotional that you can answer as you go through. And yet, if you can get a group of folks together, the study guide adds more questions that can help the group open up to one another. And so I'd say all you really need is two, but if you got three or four people to join in, get everybody a study guide and then what it does is just kind of walks you through opening up your life and and make sure that everybody starts out with easier questions. And then by the time you're done the study, you're probably becoming pretty close friends because you've opened up the challenges that you've faced. Yeah. And like for the end of the first one, some of the questions are um, what we've been talking about. Why do you hesitate to share your struggles with others? Um, What excuses do you typically make for keeping your challenges to yourself? Who are the people God wants you to share your trials with? And so, you know, it does have you share about your life, your struggles. And that is what builds relationship. I think of some of my closest friends are ones I was in Bible study with when we were vulnerable or, you know, that I was in a small group with and someone was going through a really hard time and we gathered around that person or they gathered around me. And that's how you build relationship, not with the walls, but with, you know, opening up our hearts and connecting with other people. Yeah, you know, we can go to a baseball game together or we can have a meal together, but when we open up our lives, it, it, it connects us in a fellowship experience that's deeper than simply gathering events. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know another thing that you talk about is the lies of the enemies. <laughs> so I want to hear about maybe some of those lies that parents hear, and then how can we fight against that? Well, uh, they're never going to change this. You know, this is hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are some real challenges out there in the world today. I talked to a friend of mine and uh, he just found out that his uh, just turned into the 20s child is getting a um, sex change operation. It's mm. scheduled. And they've been praying for their child for a number of years. And, you know, the enemy would say things like, this is your fault. Right. And all of a sudden there's condemnation. This is never going to change. Your prayers are useless. And now there's discouragement and, uh, you know, a temptation to give up. But we can't listen to those lies. Uh, We've got to make sure that we are staying in faith. You know, as Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary of doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. And so I just say to parents, don't listen to those lies. They're coming from the enemy. God wants to encourage you. He wants to um, fellowship with you in the midst of your suffering. The Lord knows it's a broken world. The The Lord knows the challenges at hand. Let's not give up. Because I've also seen the lies of kids transformed. I had a, a young lady in our church, 15, 14, 15, didn't say a word to anyone, took off, went around the country hmm. in, for about two months without any money, hitchhiking across the country. Very little communication to parents. You know, two months is an awful long time to not have your uh, young teenage daughter. And yet, she came home. The Lord restored her to the parents. She is now serving in the church, just a fantastic woman of God, and got involved in missions. You know, I tell parents, if your son is really rebellious, if your daughter is really wild, when God gets a hold of that, they're go- he's going to turn that around and, and use that same energy, that same uh, stick to it to evil. He's going to have them use it for good in his kingdom. This lady went to Africa and endured some tremendous challenges that I don't think the average person could. But but God created her. And once he wrestled her into the kingdom, lassoed her heart, put his words there, put his spirit there, God did great things through her. And so we just need to have hope, not give up. Yeah, that is so good. My my mother-in-law actually told me that because a couple of my kids really strong-willed. I still have some strong-willed ones in the house, but my ones that are adult kids now that were so strong-willed, and she says they're strong-willed, but that means when God sets them in the right direction, nothing's going to be able to stop them. And I've seen that. I've seen how when my one daughter left as a missionary when she was 21 years old to a foreign country, and you know, I'm like, she was just learned the language and did everything. I'm like, wow. I never would have thought that, but that strong willness um, can, I don't know if that's a word, that strong-willed nature can really, um, when they get set in the right direction, when God gets a hold of them, they can do amazing things. 
Yeah, and, and we, we need to believe. We need to go to our grave believing and trusting in God. Because what else do we have? I mean, yeah. when people go through challenges who do not know the Lord, they have no hope. They're going through life as one who has no hope. But we have the Lord. We can trust that the Spirit of God who is active has been sent to convict the world of sin, to be a helper in difficult times, to remind us of the teaching of the Lord. That same Holy Spirit can work in the heart of our child and transform them, bring them into the kingdom, mature them for use with the the advance of the gospel. And we just need to have hope and trust the Lord that he can and will do it. Yes. And I love throughout the book, you, you point to the hope is in God's word. Um, when we're praying the scriptures, when we're writing the scriptures, when we're writing down prayers for our kids, that makes such a huge difference and it gives encouragement to us. But then we're also using God's word in our prayers. And um, I've, I think I'm on my fifth one now. I've created Bibles for my kids. I started with my oldest and I write down those prayers in the Bible and I write down the scripture verse, underline them, you know, make notes that they mean to me. And then I've been able to give four of them to my kids and they've been able to see you know, my prayers through the years. And I'm, I'm pretty bold. Like my child is, you know, really focused on this right now, Lord, turn his or her heart towards you. And those are all written in there. So how can, you know, writing down the scriptures and turning to God's word really make a difference for our kids and for us? Well, we need to remember that God's doing something. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Paul writes, these light and momentary trials are achieving an eternal weight of glory. And we're supposed to fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. And so when we, when we pray, when we, like you do, write those prayers down, there's an interaction with the author of those words. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I just said, Lord, okay, whatever you're trying to teach me, help me to learn, you know, whatever you're trying to accomplish through this trial, help me to see. And sometimes God is trying to get our attention but it's that fellowship that, um, you know, walking through God's word in light of the challenge that you're facing that can build your faith to continue through the challenge and believe God for big things. Yeah, absolutely. And it is those words. Um, I mean, God gives us his word to encourage us, to inspire us, to help us during those times. And, you know, sometimes I just have to help tell my kids like mama needs 10 minutes with Jesus in her Bible right now. <laughs> like give me, And it, it, I do find peace, you know, going to God's word and being reminded that he knows me, he knows our situation. Um, and I underline that too. You know, you talk about just remembering that God can see your situation. I think so many times we feel alone. Um, we feel like no one understands. We feel that no one can understand the pain of whatever we're going through, but that God is there and that we can remember that he knows everything about our current situation and he's weeping with us. Yeah. And the Bible says in Hebrews that we have a great high priest who is able to Mm -hmm. sympathize uh, with our weaknesses because he was tempted like us, though he didn't sin, tempted like us in every way. And so uh, Jesus, who's interceding on our behalf before his father, has the same kind of compassion on us that he had for people when they were walking the earth. And He can. He's a good, a faithful high priest for us because he understands. He knows the challenges of the world. He lived the world. Now, he didn't have children, uh, obviously wasn't married, but 
he was tempted by those disciples who were kind of his kids. <laughs> <laughs> and so he knows, oh man, you know, Peter, 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 how many times do I have to tell you, Peter? And, and we have the same thing with our kids. So when we come before the Lord, let's not imagine or picture this uh, voice in the clouds that we can't relate to. Let's picture Jesus who walked the earth, who was lied to, who was betrayed. And let's call out to him and let's do that with the confidence that by the Spirit, we can be ministered to, strengthened, push aside the lies of the enemy, mm-hmm. and then press on to trust God for another day. And, and that's really all you have to do is trust God for another day. I just, I, I, you know, well, what's going to happen if he doesn't fail this or if, if he fails this, he doesn't go to that, then he can't get to college. Then it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're three years down the line, Marty. <laughs> How about this? Let's see if we can talk with him and see if we can get him to do his homework today. You know, that's all, that's all I can deal with is one day at a time, sweet Jesus, and let tomorrow take care of itself because today has enough troubles of its own. Let's not be worried about the big picture because, quite frankly, God can do amazing things in one day. Oh, I love that so much. It makes me think of when I speak at homeschool conferences and I'm at the table and here's a mom with all these little kids and she's like, I don't know how I'm going to teach you know, high school algebra. And I'm like, yeah. well, how old are you oldest right now? Okay, first grade. Let's talk about addition. Like, you know, you will prepare by the time you get there, you'll be able to do it. Or, you know, you could find someone to help you. Like, let's not worry about those Absolutely. things. Absolutely. That's yeah, exactly I think, I think right future trip is what my friend calls it. We're future tripping and thinking of all the things that can go wrong. And let's focus on what's happening today and how we can guide and nurture the kids that we have right now. Yeah. And I just, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I had to learn was that I needed to become an encourager. I, hmm. I, I could be the kind of person that picks out the problems and criticizes the mistakes. And, uh, uh, I realized, you know what? I think in the last week I've probably corrected that child a dozen times. Mm-hmm. And in the last week, I've not encouraged them once. Now, imagine if you had a boss that in one week they corrected you 12 times and they didn't say one thing that was encouraging. Uh, doesn't really give you the motivation that you need to really do a great job at that at that position. But you know, if you start encouraging, uh, all of a sudden, you'll see. Well, I had a friend who said, you know, you get more of what you encourage. And so I found that um, I needed to make sure that my corrections weren't greater than my encouragements. Which, which way does that scale tilt? Mm-hmm. I wanted to tilt toward encouragements. And, and I've talked to parents who are like, oh, you don't know my kid. Like the, I, I'm, I was thinking when you were talking about this, I couldn't think of a single thing that I could encourage him about. I said, well, I think probably that maybe a seed of bitterness has begun to sprout in your heart um, because, um, and that's so easy to happen. There are plenty of things. It's like, 
have a friend, uh, your your child's friend comes over to stay and, and they make the same mistakes and you've got all kinds of grace for them. You know, you're correcting them gently. You're just trying to draw them in, make them a part of your family. <laughs> but it comes to your kid, why are you doing that again? You know, it's like, boom, the hammer comes down. And I just say, just pretend your kid is the neighbor's kid coming over for lunch for one day and treat them today as you would that neighbor's child if they made the same mistakes in your home that day because we're we're called by God to not keep a record of wrongs which means each day when our kids make mistakes we should treat them as though that was the first time they made the mistake not the 10th time oh i love that so much i was just having that conversation with my daughter who does live in europe and she her daughter is almost two so you know first and only and she was talking about i'm reading this parenting book and it talks about encouragement and you know so we were talking about it and i said you know even when they aren't doing the right thing you can still encouragement encourage them for example um when we adopted our little guy he was two and a half and he was so destructive and we ended up going to therapy and um the therapist's like you know if he's just throwing things and and you know acting out if he's throwing something in the direction of the toy box say hey great job you almost made it in the toy box great job trying to clean up and it was amazing you know he'd be throwing stuff and it'd go in the direction of the toy box and i'd say great job you know you almost made it in suddenly it's like ooh. I want to get the toys and put them in the toy box. And and he's running over and throwing all the toys in the toy box. And I'm cheering. And all of a sudden, that destructiveness turned into, great job. You're picking up. You're cleaning up. Look at you. Um, and I was talking to my daughter about that. You know, we can find ways to encourage them, even when it's like, oh, my goodness, we want to say, stop throwing that. Don't do that. You know, we're exactly. like, good. That's right. Perfect, perfect illustration. Yeah. And then it's funny because, you know, I mean, here we are. She's, you know, halfway across the world and it's the same parenting stuff over and over again, no matter where we are, where we live, um, that, you know, we all have to go through the same cycles with our kids. And that's another thing I wanted to ask you know, I know, you know, some of my listeners have younger kids and they're probably like, oh my goodness, you're talking about all these problems and all these older kids and all the decisions. But um, what are some maybe foundational things and safeguards that parents of younger kids can do now? We talked about encouragement, which yes, you know, find those ways to encourage your kids. What are some other things that they can do to prepare their kids? Well, I think one of the best things you can do is build your relationship. Mm -hmm. So spending time one-on-one And like we have six kids and we had six kids in 10 years. So, you know, our, our uh, oldest, our 10, our youngest are, you know, just born. And so that goes up. There's a lot clustered together and like, we don't have time, but what we did was once a month, we would do late night with mom and dad. And we would allow one that one child to stay up late, would have a special dessert or read a special book or watch a special show, something that they would not otherwise normally get to do. But then we would look to spend some time with them. And mm-hmm. we would think about what are some probing questions for this child that we could ask that, you know, would help to build our relationship. And, uh, so we'd, we'd ask them, so what's your favorite thing about being a part of this family? Or if we knew they were going through a challenge with school, um, do you, would, would ask them for us, uh, feedback for us? Like, you know, is there any way that 
we could do better as a mom and dad to help you with school? Do you feel like we're not, is there anything we're not doing well? And we would draw them out. And our kids just looked so forward to those uh, evenings. And eventually we did two in one month so that we could go through um, our six kids and do everybody three times a year. So there's a couple of months where we we do two in a month. And as our kids got older uh, and got married and left the house, we translated those late night with mom and dad to uh, a double date with mom and dad and your new spouse. And that's how we've stayed connected with our kids who are married. Now, obviously, if if your children move far away, you're unable to continue with that. But fortunately for us, ours are close. So I would say what we did like that in the younger years really set up an established relationship, like a bridge. Think of you're building a bridge so that someday when there's a trial and you got to bring some heavy correction over on a truck, you've got a span that will support the weight of that correction. Yeah. And I love that. And it really is that relationship that's going to make all the difference. And, you know, sometimes if I have errands, I have, you know, six kids around the house, I'll just take one and like, hey, let's go do these errands. We'll pick up a smoothie. We'll chat. And usually, you know, the first half of the trip, it's just nonsense stuff that we're talking about. But usually by the end, as we're driving home or after we get our smoothies, like, well, this has really been bothering me and I'm having troubles with this. And it does take that time. They want that time where they feel comfortable that we're going to listen and that we, you know, are, are caring for them. And I love, I love setting up that schedule. Oh, my kids would love it so much. <laughs> I need to talk to my husband about that. Um, but, you know, even if you're just pulling one away for a little bit of time during that day, and um, I remember with my two older boys who are 31 and 26 now, someone said, you know, just, it, just try to have fun with the things that they enjoy. So I'd sit and listen to about these characters and this board game and this and that, and you know, all these things. And, and now they do, they take time. We play board games. They come over. Neither one of them live at home. They both live close, but because I took the time to listen about, you know, Nintendo, whatever game <laughs> when they were little, now they come over and we play games together and we have those conversations and then we have time. And it, that relationship does make a huge difference. Yeah. And, and, you know, it might be something you don't really particularly care for. Like, you know, I'm just not, you know, totally into American girl dolls, but, you know, my <laughs> daughter was. And so, you know, dad, can you make me bunk beds for my American girl doll? And, yep. uh, and so, you know, I, 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 you know, quick, you know, get on YouTube. How do you make doll bunk beds? You know, uh, but those little times, those little things, that little bit of effort, uh, it really does help to build something that can shoulder the weight of trials that come later on down the line. Yeah. And then those little things become meaningful. My daughter who lives in Europe, there's this shelf. I just have it like leaning on the side of my closet. And I'm like, can I get rid of this thing? She's like, no, dad and I made that when I was eight. It was the first thing we made together. <laughs> so I have this little wooden shelf. You know, I mean, she can't take it easily on a plane to get it home, but she's, you know, I have to keep it because her and dad made it when she was eight. It's a shelf for her room. And so it does. Those, those things do matter to them. That time we spend and we think about what they care about. Oh, I love that so much. Well, I just appreciate you and all that you've shared and uh, so much encouragement. So again, the book um, is Parenting First Aid, Hope for the Discouraged. And then there's also a study guide. But just let us know where people can find out more information about you and then your other books too. 
Well, they can go to newgrowthpress.com. That's the publisher that publishes all of my books. They can look me up, Marty Machowski, at uh, martymachowski.com. And they can always send me an email, martymachowski at gmail.com is my email. So glad to hear from people. And uh, I hope that they enjoy the book and, and they feel blessed by the encouragement that comes from the stories that it contains. Yeah, I know they will because I know I have already been encouraged. I have all kinds of underlined marks in it and it's really been a blessing to me. So thank you so much, Marty, for being here. And we'll put all those links in our show notes too. Well, I just appreciate this conversation with Marty today and hopefully you did too. Now, if you have kids, you're going to have a time in parenting when you're discouraged. Maybe when your kids are babies and they're not sleeping through the night. Maybe you have a toddler who's getting into everything and it's very strong will. Maybe you have an elementary school student who is struggling and just having a hard time with schoolwork and all the changes in the world. Maybe you have a teenager who seems to just be going against everything that you taught him or her. Um, Just know that there are other parents out there that have gone through these things. And that's what I love about Marty's book, Parenting First Aid, Encouragement. First with the stories that he shares that can bring encouragement to us and the stories that he shared on that podcast, which is so encouraging. Just hearing how, you know, kids that did make mistakes and seem to be going completely the wrong way can turn around, but also the encouragement through scripture, through God's word that reminds us that God is there. He knows our situation. He knows our kids. He has good plans for our kids. Um, I always rem- you know, have to remind myself that I love my kids so much and I have my dreams, but God dreams for my child are even greater and his love is even greater. And as worried as I am that God can see what's coming and knows the good futures for our kids and that those prayers that we pray do not, um, you know, end in nothing, that they, they can go on and, and, uh, God can plant seeds in our kids that he can do the work through his Holy Spirit. And it's not just us thinking of the right things to say or the right things to do, but that God can go ahead of us and work in our kids' hearts. And I think that really has encouraged me and made all the difference in my life and in my parenting. Because sometimes, yes, it does get discouraging. Um, Today's Walk It Out First is Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And Marty did share about this scripture during the podcast today. And even before, as I was going through his books and taking notes, that's the scripture I wrote down. Let us not get tired of doing what is good. Let's not get tired of encouraging our kids, of connecting with our kids, of reaching out, of building a relationship, of praying for our kids, that we will reap a harvest. And, you know, I think we always want to see the results sooner than rather than later. I mean, yes, answer prayer today, please. But to know that God is at work and God is in work, maybe in ways we can't even see or imagine. So let me just pray for us today. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for this conversation with Marty. Thank you for um, the time that he took to be with us. Thank you for his ministry. Continue to bless him, his books, his family, um, all that he's doing to encourage parents to help strengthen the faith of kids also. Just pray a blessing over him and his family. And Lord, for 
those parents out there or grandparents or aunts and uncles who may be discouraged. I pray um, that in their discouragement, they will turn to you, that they will turn to God's word, that they will find hope, they will find inspiration, and they will know that you are there with them. I know, Lord, so many times I've been just feeling so alone and so overwhelmed. I am so thankful that you're always there with me. I pray that each of us may turn to you and look to you with eyes of hope, even though the situation is not what we want, um, that we may be encouraged and we may be strengthened in you. And in your name, we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to Walk It Out. And the whole point of this podcast is to show you people who are living the faith, um, who are walking out what God is asking them to do, whether it is, you know, singing on the voice or like, you know, my friend Brooke's uh, husband, or it's, you know, training other parents, leading a small group, whatever it is that you feel God is asking you to do, I pray that you may be encouraged. And if you need help and encouragement for your own parenting, I have a couple of resources that you might um, find helpful. If you go to my website, trishagoyer.com, and you see the little tab that says to shop, I have most of my books, fiction and nonfiction there. And there's two that really might be inspiring and helpful to you. First is Calming Angry Kids, um, Help and Hope, for parents in the trenches. And really, that is just how I have learned to deal with kids that are angry or anxious. And when all those emotions are overwhelming, how to calm them and to keep ourselves calm in the process. And also another book um, is The Grumble Free Year. And it was just my family's just goal to try to go a year without grumbling, which, you know, you can't can never be perfect in that, but how God just changed us and grew us in that year was amazing. And I'm so thankful that we took that time that we invested in that. Cause even now, you know, we'll, we'll catch ourselves going, Oh, that sounded kind of grumbling again. We're still not perfect, but we have grown so much and it's just a lot of help of our stories and then helps for you to know how you can be grumble free or almost grumble free in your home. Again, you can find those resources and all my other resources if you go to my website, which is trishagoyer.com and click on shop. Well, friends, thank you for being here today. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing this podcast with a friend. And I pray that you have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.